Capita, this is your host, Jasmine Luchis, and you're now listening to Hepa Talk Season 3. Hola, Jefitas. Welcome back to Hefa Talk. So today we have a special guest, J.R. Co. He is a musician, and I'm super excited to have him on. So I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself and let us know where he's from. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, I know when you reached out a couple of weeks ago, I checked out the profile and stuff like that. Uh, super cool stuff. Congrats on everything y'all got going on. So that's awesome. Thank you. Um, but yeah, my name is J.R. Uh, I my actual name is J.R. Salinas. Uh, people know me as J.R. Cole. And we can kind of, a little bit later, kind of get into where that came from. Um, but uh, I'm from Robstown, Texas. Hispanic, born and raised, super small town, uh, right outside Corpus Christi, for those who may not know. Uh, grew up just inundated by all sorts of music. It was Michael Jackson, Mas, J. Perez, Emilio, Selena, Def Leppard, Pant. I mean, it was just all over the place. Uh, so I grew up heavily involved in music, which uh, kind of led me to where I am now, where I'm pursuing a music career. Uh, and uh, I mean, that's kind of kind of where I'm at. You know, I, I for the last 11 years, I've been uh, involved in law enforcement. I went to Robstone High School. I got my undergrad degree over in Corpus and then uh, I became a cop and I did that for six years. I'm still in law enforcement, but it's a little bit a little bit different. And uh Luckily, my job lets me kind of have free weekends, so I kind of do my Monday nine to five, you know, and then uh, on the weekends, I get to kind of go have fun and perform in front of, you know, some small crowds, some big crowds and stuff. So, so yeah, that's kind of what, what we got going on right now. That's so awesome. So I didn't know that you were in law enforcement. So let's kind of dive into that a little bit. So fresh out of high school, what made you join the force? Man, so... I had two dreams growing up and it was, I wanted to be a, a special agent. I wanted to be like FBI, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the other thing was I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be an entertainer. Um, when I was young, my kind of idol that I kind of looked up to music wise was Garth Brooks because I don't know if you've ever seen Garth Brooks or listened to him much or anything, but that dude live is, I mean, it's insane. He's, he's, kind of overweight but he's like running back and forth all crazy and uh so I saw that and I'm like man this is what I want to do and then I would see uh tv shows movies different stuff like that and it was like okay I want it, to it's one of the two I want to be an entertainer or I want to be a, a, a federal agent I want to be a cop you know and um I got a little bit older and to kind of put a pin in something and we'll touch on it a little bit later I developed severe stage fright I mean like crippling crippling stage fright and so i'm like yeah that's that's gone <laughs> so what's the other option so it's like all right I'll, I'll do the law enforcement thing so uh i went to school and uh you know growing up i come from a very hispanic family and a lot a lot of us in hispanic culture and stuff like that we have tios and tias and and suegros and all, all sorts of stuff that um sometimes are good role models and sometimes are not so great role models right and uh when i was really young the the person who i kind of looked up to the most as i grew older i realized i was looking up to him for the wrong reasons you know what i thought was cool when i was young i got older and i'm like oh shit like that's that's not cool you know 
and uh, I started to really understand what he was doing, you know, with drugs and jail and prison and stuff like that. And, uh, and it really, it really struck a chord with me where I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to go the complete opposite of this. Like everything that I see, I need to just, I need to turn it around. And um, that kind of propelled me into pursuing law enforcement. And when I graduated high school, uh, I kind of bounced around different degrees and I ended up settling on criminal justice. And one month to the day that I graduated from college, I started the police academy. So it was like, boom, boom. And uh, I always just thought it was rewarding, you know, like one, because of my family background and stuff where I saw where I'm like, okay, I need, I need to do something different. I need to be a positive role model, you know, whatever that may be. And uh, that was one part of it. But then the other side, I'm like, man, these dudes, they do some cool stuff, you know, and you see them out on the streets and they're breaking up fights and then they're going and, and having to chase somebody. And then they're going and saving somebody's life. And they're, and I mean, it's just, it's nonstop. And uh, it's everything that I thought it would be, you know? So it's, it's been a rewarding career. Uh, I've done some really cool things from it. And uh, uh, it's something that I love, but it's not my true, true passion, which is kind of what brought me back to, to music, you know? So just to touch on that. So what, what kind of led you to music while you were in the academy? So I was in the police force. It's funny because uh, when I was in the police academy and when I was on the, on the police force and stuff, my friends that, so there was 25 of us in the police academy. And so I, my name, I go by JR. And uh, well, he's been popular for a long time, but he was really popping with like mirrors and his solo career and stuff, Justin Timberlake. And so uh, people would call me JT. We'd go out and they'd be like, somebody give JT a mic. And so, because I would sing around the classroom and stuff like that. And uh, so it little by little kind of started creeping back out because right around middle school, I just completely stopped singing. I, I would not, my parents, not a soul, you know, um, even singing in the shower was like into like a towel, you know? I mean, it was a, a deliberate fear. And uh, I started getting older and more comfortable with myself and stuff, but I still had that that fear of being on a stage where it's like, hey, we're all watching you, you know? Um, and what really propelled me, if while I was on the police force, fast forward a little bit, I had, I had a daughter uh, almost seven years ago now. She'll be seven in uh, November. And uh, as she got a little bit older, I started noticing like, man, she really loves music too, but she has an even worse fear of a stage fright than I did and younger. So I'm like, it's only going to get worse, right? It's just going to compound and compound. It's just going to get worse and worse. And so I thought, okay, well, what can I do to help? Because I can sit there, you know, when I'm tucking her in at night and be like, oh, Mika, it's fine. It's, uh, you know, you, you chase your dreams, but that's, it's like, okay, well, what, what good does that really do? You know? So I thought, okay, well, maybe if I show her, that I can do it and it's okay to pursue that and it's okay to be on stage. It's okay. It's okay to be scared and still do it. You know, you don't have to be the most confident person up there. You don't have to be, you just have to to go for it, you know? And I think that's something that the police force kind of gave me actually, you know, in my pursuit of music, 
I think, on the PD when stuff happens and you get a call for, um, you know, somebody's shooting a gun or somebody is trying to stab people or there's what you don't really have time to process fear. It's just kind of like, what is my job? What am I supposed to do? Okay, I go and I stop the bad guy. And then afterwards, you're talking and you're like, holy shit, dude, that was scary. You know, like that was real. Um, but in the moment, you're just you're just doing it, you know. And uh, so I think being able to flip that switch has helped me. So like before I go on stage, I'll feel nerves and I'll feel like, oh, man, what's going to happen? What's how's this going to go? And then as soon as the music comes on, it's like that switch flips and it's go time. Right. And every everything else is gone. And so I thought, well, you know what, if I can face that fear and I can show her that it's possible, maybe it'll help her. And so like the name J.R. Cole. So my daughter's middle name is Cole. So and it's a little more country sounding than Salinas. <laughs> so so uh I thought, you know what, I think it'd be a good idea if every time they introduce me to go on stage, every time she sees my song come up on Apple Music, you know, every time somebody asks to take a picture, somebody, whatever, they say J.R. Cole. So every time she hears something involving music and me, she hears her name. And so it just kind of solidifies that that idea of like, hey, you're a part of this, and this is something that you can do later if this is also what you want to do, you know? So that's that's kind of where that came from. That's so amazing. I think all of us that are tuning in are probably like, oh, my God, what a great daddy. Um, I think that's that's cool because it does also give her that confidence of like well I see my name on these big things I can I can do it and then I'm sure seeing you not only be a police officer but also be a senior it kind of inspires her like I literally can do literally whatever I want so that's pretty cool to see that you you were able to overcome that so just to touch on your fear where did that um fear come from from performing man I so I told I did I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago about two three weeks ago and I I told the story but I I ha I'm gonna have to tell it every time, um, so when I was in kindergarten they gave us a project somewhere around Thanksgiving time, and it was you know back then times have changed now but back then it was like Indians and Pilgrims right that was the that was the thing, and uh, and so they said go home tonight bring back something tomorrow or share something with the class and experience something that one you're thankful for or something that reminds you of Thanksgiving, something involving Indians and pilgrims. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm in kinder. I was, what, five, I mean, five, six years old, something like that. I was a small, I have no idea, but I, there was a song back then that was pretty big. I don't know if uh, Tim McGraw, it's called Indian outlaw has nothing to do with Thanksgiving. I mean, nothing to do. Right. And uh, I'm like, I know something that involves Indians, I'm an Indian outlaw. Right. So uh, I take back then it was a cassette. I took the cassette and I took it to the class and I popped it in the little stereo that we had in the class. And I sang Indian outlaw for the class, like thinking like, hey, let me share this, this heritage, this Thanksgiving thing with y'all has nothing to do with Thanksgiving. And uh and I sang it and I like not a care in the world in front of everybody. I mean, and then when I was in second grade, um, 
I didn't really know like, oh, I can sing or I, I'm not good at singing. I didn't, I mean, I was young, you know, but I think people started to notice. And um, uh, one of the teachers was also like a vocal coach and she, she did a lot of stuff uh, singing wise. She was a very good singer. And they did a, uh, a play of uh, Aladdin and for the the main song the you know i can show you the they asked if i would sing it in front of the entire school while the play was going on so they had a, a guy and a girl that were aladdin and jasmine and then me and the teacher were singing the song sang in front of everybody not a single care in the world and then somewhere around fourth or fifth grade i don't know what happened if i like suppressed it so i'll never remember but something happened where it was just like the idea of singing in front of people was was crippling is the best way I could put it. Like I would feel my heart start to race, I would shake, um, I start to get hot, sweaty, and I and I had no idea why. And that lasted. I just started the music thing a year and a half ago, and it lasted. I mean, from probably around age nine, ten, till, I mean, thirty, thirty two you know and uh so i mean it was decades long and i just suppressed it in fear and fear and fear and i i figured oh i'm getting a little bit older it's already past me it's not something i can do anymore but then when i had my daughter it's like okay i need to i need to attack this um but to be honest like i have no idea what happened it was just something that and I would sing, you know, when I got a little bit older and started, I would, I would drink and stuff. We'd be at the bar and I'd sing and people would be like, is that you? Are you singing? And I'm like, yeah. And then when they noticed it was me, I would shut down. Like, I'm like, okay, I can't do it anymore. If we're just having fun and we're having drinks and we're whatever, I'll sing and I'll be. But then once somebody would zone in, I'm like, hey, like sing this. It's like, mm, no, nah, no, thank you. Um, and it was just absolutely crippling for uh, over 20 years I, it probably was like a during that time of being like in fourth fifth grade you start to kind of notice little things that as innocent we were you don't really think about like embarrassment or like you know judge ju getting judged and so I'm sure something like that must have happened that you were like I'm not going to sing in front of people, which is, is pretty sad, but I'm glad that you were able to pick up on it again. And you're, you're now putting shows everywhere. Now I did see some of your songs and I'm not a country girl. I'm even though I'm from San Antonio, I don't listen to country. Well, I live in San Antonio, but I'm not from Texas. So okay. country wasn't really something, but there's something about certain songs that I can't help, but it'd be like, okay, this but I can find myself listening to it. So one of your songs that I recently listening listened to is one of your recent ones. And I was like, okay, I can I can listen to this. I can I can bump this. What is one of the things that you find super satisfying when singing country? Like what made you pick that genre? I think it's the storytelling for me. I think it's so like when I'm writing, writing songs and, you know, I, I try to write all the time and you don't get to put everything out, you know, to everyone, but you're constantly messing with stuff where I'll write, you know, a couple sentences or I write a full song or half a song. And, and I think 
it's the it's to me it's the most poetic besides maybe stuff like Juan Gabriel and stuff stuff like that it's it's very poetic you have to kind of you have about three to three and a half minutes of a song to write something that paints a picture and that tells a story to whoever's listening and uh you know I love everything I mean I love we went on what's today Tuesday on Sunday we were at the Jonas Brothers concert in Austin <laughs> you know so we I listen to everything but pop music and stuff like that it's more it's more to get you moving to get you going right and the story that you're trying to tell in those songs isn't as present but you know when you listen to a song like um you know, like Johnny Cash's, and I'm not a huge Johnny Cash fan. People who listen to this that are country fans are probably going to crucify me, but I'm not a huge Johnny Cash fan, but uh, one of the songs that he sang was called uh, Hurt, and it's it's talking about, like, I hurt myself today and, you know, to see if I still feel and stuff, and it's like, it's just so deep, you know, and, you know, like my song Hey Me, uh, I wrote... Uh, the whole thing that I that I was thinking whenever I went into writing that was how can I paint a picture of kind of what we all go through in a lifetime in three and a half minutes you know so it's like okay you're 17 you're in high school you're in love you think that's your entire world and then you break up and everything comes crashing down and it, it's the worst you've ever felt and then you're 35 and you're watching your kid grow up and you realize that someday they're going to be gone and again your world feels like it's crumbling and then you're 85 and your loved one is already passed and you're by yourself. And now all you want to do is you want to leave this world so you can go be with them again, because now it's, so the whole thing is no matter where you are in life, whatever you're going through, it feels that's your whole world. That's where your world is revolving around. Right. And it feels, it feels uh, terrible in the moment. And I mean, you have three and a half minutes to just really sell like a feeling to somebody you know, and, you know, I've talked to people that have heard that song and they're like, man, that just, it just hits a chord with me, dude. Like, you know, I remember going through a breakup in high school and I, now my kids are growing up and it's like, oh my God. And I see my parents that are getting older and, and, you know, one of them passes away and, and we're all still here, but all they want to go do is be with their partner. They just want, they just want to go, you know? And, um, I think that's what really draws me to country music. Um, it's just it's the stories inside the songs you know that's that's honestly really amazing that you're able to capture really um a story and and be able to bring it to life and, and um you know for your audience to really connect with it I think that's amazing I think that's really big because you know that's what makes an artist an artist you have to not only be good at singing you have to be able to really connect with your you know your fans so that's that's amazing to know that you're able to do that for them now being hispanic and going into music i'm sure you know as most people did you ever have your family kind of discourage you and be like that's not a career that don't why do you want to do music i think I think I got lucky because, excuse me, um, because I was a little bit older. And since I already have like a career, they kind of look at it as like, all right, well, I guess take your shot. And, you know, if it works out, then great. And if it doesn't, then you already have a job, you know, um, unlike 
maybe a 17 year old kid who's about to graduate from high school and is like, uh, Hey, I'm, I want to be a musician, you know? And then the parents are thinking, what? No, you need to go to college. You need to get a job you need to make money, you know? Uh, so I think it's a little tougher in that aspect. Uh, the big, the, the thing that I got more and I get it, I understand is, um, since I have a daughter and I have a family and, and I have other priorities and stuff like that is, Hey, make sure you don't spread yourself too thin. Like, make sure, make sure you're not, you know, taking all these gigs and doing all this practice and rehearsals and, and traveling all over Texas and doing all this stuff and not having time for the things that you should have time for, you know? So, you know, back in the day where you know, as a, as a kid going through college or trying to get a job, it, the conversation might have been, hey, no, you need a job. You need to make money. Now the conversation is, hey, you have a job. You have money. Make sure you're paying attention to the things that you that you need to be paying attention to. So it's kind of like a, a balancing act and a, a juggling, you know, um, to try and just to make sure that I'm present with my family when I'm with them. And I mean, I'm not always, I'll, I'll admit, you know, there's times where will be mid conversation and all of a sudden in my head lyrics to a song pop up and I'm like, Oh, I need to write this down before I forget it. You know? Um, so it's, it's difficult, you know, but I, I do try to make a point, you know, especially with my, I mean, she's my only child. She's my little girl, six years old to make sure that when I'm with her, you know, that we make some sort of memory big or small, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've gotten lucky that they've been supported. They go to most of my shows, my, my parents, they're there. They wear the t-shirts and stuff, the caps and, you know, so it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's nice. Now, five years ago, would you have ever imagined being where you are right now? <laughs> no, no, not a chance at hell. No. Cause I, I, I mean, five years ago that, that fear was, I mean, it was, it was terrible. I, I couldn't get past it. I could I could not do it, you know, and the funny thing is, is, uh, you know, with my law enforcement career and stuff like that, everything has taught me if there's something in front of you that's an obstacle, you just you push it the hell out of the way or you run through it, you know. But when it came to this, I think it was so. So not to get like super deep or anything, but my biggest fear in life, you know, besides losing a loved one or something like that, my biggest fear for myself is failure is not being not being good enough. Right. And so I always, I guess the way that I coped with the idea of not pursuing music for 20 something years was, well, if I don't ever try it, nobody can tell me no, nobody can tell me I'm not good enough. I can always, you know, I can be 80 years old and think, man, I, I think I was talented enough. I think if I would have chased it, I would have gotten there. And then, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to have a heavy heart about it. I can just be like, ah, I think I could have done it rather than trying it and failing. And so for so many years, that was, that was the way that I dealt with it was I just, if I won't try it, nobody can tell me no. And if I did, I'd probably be good enough. And, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago, we, we were just kind of getting out of COVID and, you know, we were, everybody's stuck at home and stuff. And, I started during COVID kind of getting a little more back into music, kind of took out my old, old music gear and stuff, started kind of recording some covers and stuff. And uh, uh, my better half, 
you know, fast forward a little bit. One day we were talking about the music stuff and I had bought a couple of things like, hey, let me I'm going to buy a few more items so I can sound a little bit better and some things I can do. And then one day we kind of had a conversation where she's like, what are you what are you doing? Like what? Like, are you going to do anything with this? Like, are you just is this a hobby? Like, what what is, what is this? And uh, and she wasn't like as rude or whatever, but but that's the way I perceive it is like, what are you doing? And so, uh, and so we're having this conversation and, you know, I had started to kind of try to write some music and stuff. Uh, but there was zero plans of putting a band together, of playing out in front of people. There was, the, that was not a plan at all. And um, during that conversation, she basically said, the best way I can put it is like, it's time to nut up or shut up. Sorry, my dog squeezing his toy. <laughs> and uh like it's time to nut up or shut up like it's either like do it or don't do it like i'm i'm tired of hearing about this music thing if you're not going to do anything about it you know and uh that's the best way to get through to me i don't respond well to ah it's okay mijo it's okay i, I don't i don't respond well to that i respond to shut your mouth and this is what you need to do do it now and i'm like okay i get it i got it and so when she said that, it like it it flipped the switch of, OK, it's it if I'm going to do it, I need to do it. And then it just so happened, like right after that, I posted a little clip of me singing, but I wasn't in the clip. It was just like an audio file to my story on Instagram. And a, a good buddy of mine who I, I grew up with, uh, who plays drums at his church, and he's been playing drums for years. I mean, he's a professional level drummer, uh, messaged me. And he was like, hey, is that you singing? And I said, yeah. And he's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And so we had the conversation. And that day we kind of started the band, you know, and uh, and it just kind of metastasized from that. Just it just grew, you know, and uh, it was literally from that one conversation where she was like, do this or don't do this. And uh I'll squeeze it in real quick, a, a funny story. So before, uh, for singing, I have stuff like to record music. I have my microphone and I have some little speakers here, but it's not really a, 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 a setup to where I could sing like live, like practice. And the only thing I had to sing through to have like, to sing, to for it to be out in the open was my daughter's karaoke machine. So, so I would sing on my kid's karaoke machine. And one day, uh, uh Cassandra was like hey let me let me hear you sing I hear you in the car I hear whatever but I want to hear without without you singing to you know singing background vocals to Ashanti or whatever I want to hear you sing and so uh she's like sing a song and I, I I'm like no 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 and she you know Roterka is like no do this I want to hear and uh so this was a year and a half ago. I was so petrified still. And even with somebody who I've known for years and I'm comfortable with, I was so petrified that I made her sit on the couch and I went and stood behind like a pillar in the house to like, if she can't see me, I'm safe. And so I stood behind this pillar and I sang and like looking back, I mean, a year and a half ago that that's the way it was. 
like blows my mind. Like it makes me it like almost uh almost like ashamed of like the way that I was, you know? And uh after those moments, after that conversation with her, after the conversation with my buddy, it just like I mean it took off it, it completely took off and that's that's how everything started. That's awesome. Well, thank thankfully you have a partner that was able to really push that out of you and and, and look at where you are now. Um what is one thing like I feel because of that fear that you had now in present time you being on stage in front of you know hundreds thousands of people what does that feel like for you looking out in the crowd while you're singing so it's funny because when the crowds are smaller I tend to have a more difficult time like I I feel like under a microscope when there's only a few people because uh, I feel like I really have to deliberately sing to each one of them. You know, um, the biggest show we did, we played in San Benito uh, and we opened up for, um, who was it? Jay Perez and Signo. And, uh, and there was probably when we played, I mean, I don't know, like 3000, something like that, um, which is a decent sized crowd for it's, pretty good sized crowd for for a band that's been playing as long as we have and it was a huge jump from what we had played before that and I remember having thoughts before I went on stage of I don't know if I'm ready for this I don't know if I'm built for this am I am I good enough for this it what if what if I'm not what they expect what if I'm not what they want uh, there's a lot of people out there like it's just it was a very big jump from what we had done before and I got on stage and the switch it just it flipped and I I noticed about about the fourth song in I noticed that I was one having more fun and I was more comfortable and more free than I had ever felt at any show and it was because for the first time I could feel and we've had other shows where where the crowd's super into it, but it's not this a, a crowd of 200 people is not the same as 3000. And when you see people out in the crowd and they're pumping their fists and they're like, yeah, and it, and everybody's having a good time. It, it, that was the moment since I started music where I, I, I knew like, this is what I need. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is, this is what, what, what it should be. And, uh, and that fear, I think it kind of goes back to like what I was saying before, like from the police and everything that I've kind of, kind of been conditioned for the last 11 years is when you feel fear is you, you just have to push through. That's just the way that it's always kind of been for us. Cause there's not, there's not enough time. If I start thinking about how fearful I am or how scared I am when I'm on stage, I'm going to forget the lyrics. I'm going to trip over something. I'm going to knock somebody over. I'm going to, you know, there's fall off the stage, you know? And so there's not really time to feel anything. It's just, I got to sing these songs and I got to, I got to make people believe what I'm doing, you know? Um, and luckily, you know, I, I, when I was on the last, did the last interview, uh, they had a similar question. And it's funny because at the very beginning I had the fears of, am I good enough? 
do I really know how to sing or do I just know how to like sing in a car? <laughs> you know, um, I would have a lot of internal questions about me. It, 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 everything was, can I do this or not? And now the fear that I have is nothing to do with me, nothing to do with the band. It's, uh, are the speakers going to be good enough? You know, is it going to be loud enough? Is it going to, like, I worry about critical things that are more for the performance and for what the audience is receiving. And I don't really question anymore. Am I good enough? You know? Um, and it's just, I mean, it's grown so, so fast and it's, I mean, it's been, it's been awesome so far. That's amazing to hear that you've overcome that. And now it's like you said, you, you just worry about little things that I think an artist should worry about, not necessarily of I'm good enough or, or am I good at singing? Cause obviously clearly you are. <laughs> um, so now going into kind of your accomplishments now i did see that you performed the um national anthem correct at matamoros how was that experience for you that was awesome it honestly that's that's uh, you know the show that i just mentioned in san benito that was like the moment of like oh like i i belong here this is what i should do right but as far as like pride you know for the biggest thing for me has always been it's your national anthem. It's your country, right? Representing your, your, your family and stuff, you know, that, that we all are here in the U S and, you know, I would always, I'm a huge sports fan. I grew up playing sports my entire life. I'm still super into sports and before every game, you know, baseball, football, basketball, everything. It's national anthem, national anthem, national anthem. And, then you see these big moments like after the World Trade Centers went down, you know, 9-11 and stuff like that. And the national anthem becomes like, it's it's what it's called. It's an anthem, you know, and it's it's what we all are and it, it's the pride of the country. And so whenever they reached out, so random, I, I very, very random, uh, I was really taken back and it was one of those moments where immediately like calling my family, like they just asked me to sing the national anthem for, you know, and I wasn't aware of the event beforehand, but I looked into it and uh, you know, it's their largest, their largest like event that the consulate puts on every year. And uh, you know, I sang the American national anthem and then they had another guy who sang uh, the Mexican national anthem. And there's just something about, being on stage and everybody having their hand over their heart and looking to the flag and singing that it just hits different than than singing a regular song you know and uh you know also being in another country that i wasn't doing it here you know i was in mexico singing our national anthem uh it just meant it it meant a lot and it was something that i mean i'll cherish it forever and i told them after the fact um how thankful i was and I just can't, I, I can't really describe the way that I felt after I walked off the stage um, because it's just, it was a very big moment for me. And, uh, and then I sang some country songs afterwards and stuff too, but the national anthem was just having a cowboy hat and holding it over my heart while I'm singing has just kind of always been like what I saw as a child, you know? So it was one of those uh, fulfill you know, fulfill kind of 
not to get like sappy, but like your heart like kind of feels whole, you know? So it was pretty awesome. That's so awesome. Um, I did I did get to see a clip of it and I was like, that is so amazing, especially being not only because you're singing the national anthem, but even you being a you know Hispanic and being able to be a Matamoros and you know really kind of bring that pride out there, I bet was just unbelievably awesome. So um one of the things that I always ask people is who inspires you the most? And um so I really wanted to ask you that question. So I think it kind of, I, I pull from like a, a lot of different places. Um, so I have like my musical inspirations, you know, uh, and like, like I mentioned earlier, Garth Brooks has always kind of been somebody that, that I looked up to as far as the music goes. Um, right now, you know, there's guys like Luke Combs and, and, and the other thing also to kind of almost like circle back to what you had mentioned earlier, um, the thing with country music too that I see a lot of is it's very, very wholesome. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these guys and girls, they have, they have their families and, and they're very family oriented. And, you know, it's, it's kind of what you think when you think of like the country, you know, like families out there just, you know, sitting on a back porch and kind of swinging and watching the kids play in the yard, you know? And, uh, and I always, I admire that, you know? And, uh, and then of course, you know, my family, you know, I, I, I was blessed that, that I didn't have a per se, like rough childhood, you know, when I was super, super young, we didn't have any money or anything. My dad, uh, you know, I was actually telling uh, my other half, my, my girlfriend the other day, uh, like uh, jobs that my dad had back in the day that she wasn't aware of. And I'm like, the dude used to make like hard shell tacos at the airport and stuff, you know, and uh, had like very run of the mill, you know, construction out on the road, you know, pouring asphalt and, and very jobs that you think of when you think of like his, Hispanic males, you know, from that era. And, uh, you know, we were, we're broke. We didn't have any money. And then, uh, you know, my dad, he only graduated from high school. He didn't go to college. He didn't, he didn't do anything like that. He doesn't have a degree. And, uh, you know, he's done well for himself and he started getting good jobs and it was, everything was just grinding it out and having to figure out, okay, how do I do this without a degree? How do I do this without any references, you know? And he just little by little, you know, got one job and then turned that one into a reference and got a bigger job and then a little bit better and better. And, uh, it was just, it's one of those things that for me to look up as a, as a kid, to be able to see, Hey, even without anything from before him, you know, without a, a, a degree from, you know, uh, UT or from, you know, A&M or whatever, um, to be able to make something happen is it's inspiring to me. And then, uh, my my family member you know when i was when i was young i was in school and they asked me they kind of do i'm sure you did too like write a write a essay write a, a story about someone who inspires you right and uh everybody's stories were like you know my mom is my hero my dad and my this or whatever or the policeman the firefighter and they were all positive 
and mine always were for forever as long as i wrote them every time that asked me it was always i drew inspiration from uh the specific family member of mine who had a lot of downfalls and was into some bad stuff and so you know a lot of people look at inspiration as something like uh, seeing a role model or something positive that oh it's inspiring to me to i want to be like them and uh I draw a lot of inspiration, especially also being a police officer and seeing where a lot of people have taken some wrong turns and how it's affected their life. Um, I draw those and I look at them as, okay, where, what happened, what happened to them? Where did things go wrong? Was it something that they could control? Was it not something that they could control? Were they able to fix it? Were they not able to fix it? How did they handle it? How did they? And so I use all those things and basically try to go down a different road, you know, and not that that makes them bad people, but they're in situations that I don't want to be in. And I try to do my part to make sure that I don't end up in that same boat, you know? Um, So that's kind of, that's kind of where I draw a lot of my inspiration from is, is strangers. A lot, a lot of the people that I've met, along uh my career and stuff that i've i've learned i mean you meet you meet people from all walks of life i mean you're you're a day on a regular day you probably talk to oh man 50 people you know 100 people depending how busy your day is and you do that every day for i mean even five years i mean you're meeting a crap load of people and you're learning about of a lot of a lot of experiences and whenever people call you, whenever you're a cop, I, w- I always like to say, somebody told me one time, they're like, you need to learn as a police officer how to deal with your emotions, how to how to go home and be able to be okay, because nobody is going to call you because they're having a good day. When somebody calls 911, it's because they're having the worst day of their life. And so every situation that you go into is going to be bad. It might not be that bad to you because you've seen all sorts of junk. You've seen people that are are dying and people that are fighting for their lives. And you've seen the worst of the worst. And then somebody calls you because, uh, you know, their their wife stole their shared car. And you're like, dude, y'all share the car. Like, what do you want me to do? But you get there. And to them, that's the absolute worst thing in the world. So they're their projection of anger and resentment and fear and everything is the exact same as somebody who's going through something that's way worse. So anytime you deal with something as a cop, it's somebody is in a bad mood. Somebody is sad. Somebody is dead. Somebody is, it's, it's very, everything is bad. And, uh, and I think seeing all those, all those people and drawing from all those experiences that I've had, it's helped me to kind of understand my life a little bit better and try to position myself where where I don't where I don't falter to a point that it's going to affect my life negatively where I don't want it to if that makes sense 
I I think that that was a perfect answer. And I honestly, I think you're the first person that has put that perspective on inspiration for me. It's not necessarily so much the positive, but it's like what somebody else does that has impacted their life in a negative way. And that's what I don't want to do. So that was that was a that was an awesome answer. Just to follow up on that. What is one of the biggest lessons you've learned so far in life that you you feel? That's a I'm trying to think like all the all the things that I've that I've seen or 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 gone through. Honestly, I mean, I think it's kind of cliche, but I think what you put out in the world is what you're going to get back. I mean, it it's. It, like I said, it's kind of a cliche answer, but I mean, if you, if you dissect it, I mean, it really, you know, I, I, not to get into detail, but I, I remember there was a, a call that I had where a child, uh, passed away, a, a, a baby and they fell off the bed, uh, and, and weren't able to breathe. And the parents didn't notice because they were downstairs getting high. And if you want to smoke weed, you want to do, I've always been, I was never one of those cops. that's like, you know, beating people down for things that they do. It's like, Hey man, it's your, I don't care what you do. It's your life. You know, we can agree to disagree on matters and, and still be friends. It doesn't matter. Um, but where I think that the line gets drawn is when other people are affected by the choices that you're making. And that's the ultimate price that somebody could pay is with their life, especially somebody who has their entire life ahead of them. And so, you know, to the effect of, you know, you get out, you get what you put out into the world. I mean, you could dissect it all the way to something like that, where it's like, you know, if what you're putting out is being, lazy and not not caring so much about the things that are going on around you things are going to happen and maybe that child would still be here with us today if if the parents were a little more aware of what was going on around them you know and again not bad people I mean I I got to talking with them afterwards not bad people it was an accident but I mean that must have been 10 years ago and I I still have random thoughts where I wonder you know, if, if, if that child would still be here, you know, and they'd be in middle school right now and they'd be, you know, and I think it's just one of those things where, you know, if you're, if you're an asshole, you're, you're going to get things that are going to come back to you and that you're not going to like, if you're good to people, you're going to have bad days. Things are still going to suck, but at some point it's going to come back around and you're, you're going to get what you deserve in a good way, you know? And, uh, I think it's just it's very important to to put out there what what it is that you want to get, you know. So like for me for music, you know, if if I'm putting out there that I'm trying to chase this dream and and uh I'm trying to give people some a part of me, you know, with these songs and stuff like that, uh it's not going to touch everybody, but I might get one person that's like, "Hey man, that helped me." Or "Hey man, I, you know, I was going through this, I was whatever, blah, 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 that I enjoyed this, I enjoyed. And to me, that's, that's enough for me, you know? So I, I think that's the biggest lesson I with 
the police force, with my life, with everything is just, if you're expecting things to be a certain way, then you better, you better be able to act like that yourself, you know? Yeah, I think that's that's great advice. Cliche or not, it, it definitely is a, a very big lesson that I think a lot of us can relate to. Um, just to kind of circle back, I know that you kind of really push yourself not only to overcome that fear for music, but to kind of inspire your daughter, right? What is one thing that you would want her to take from you when you're no longer on this earth? So that's a good question. Um, I I always like to say, and I don't know exactly what it's going to be, you know, like, I don't know what it is that is the lesson that I, that I'm going to hope that she takes the most, but I always tell people and, and uh, anytime we talk about something like this, where, you know, the chasing the music thing or just being a good person, you know, um, you know, I, I, I wrote a song actually a few days ago and one of the lines is, uh, I have a daughter. I try to teach her to be a good woman and not a preacher. Um, and basically the, 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 the meaning of that line to me is to not worry about what else is going around on around you. You don't, you know, some souls are going to be lost before you're able to reach them. Uh, some you might be able to help. Some are probably not. Uh, some people are going to want help. Some are not. And there's going to be tons of things that are going on. I mean, the world we live in now is is insane. And the only thing that you can control is yourself. I mean, you can't control when you're older. You can't control your husband. You can't control your wife, your parents. You can't at the at the very, very end of the day. The only thing you can control is yourself. And, you know, so that line of to be a good woman and not a preacher is just saying, don't worry about, don't worry about what else is going on around you. Um, take care of yourself and uh, make sure that you're a good person, you know, make sure the whole thing of putting out there in the world, what you expect to get back. And, you know, with the music thing I just I honestly want and that's all what I don't know if you have children or if you plan to have children or anything but you know as a parent I think that I can probably speak for most parents that I mean all you really want for your child is for them to to know that it's okay to be themselves and know that it's okay to to pursue whatever it is that they want to pursue uh big or small you know and and with the music thing, you know, I'm, I'm facing the fears that I've always had. I'm doing what I've always wanted to do. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's a real big, it's a real big thing for me, for her to see that if she wants to do something that she is terrified of, that it's okay to do it, you know? And, uh, and so I think that's, that's, I just hope that I can do something while I'm here. I mean, I, I hope I still have, you know, a lot of time in front of me and I hope that I can teach lessons to the people that look to me for leadership, uh, that something that they can hold on to, you know, after I'm gone and whether that's involving music or policing or whatever, it, it really doesn't matter to me. It's more about, did I do something 
big enough for them that, you know, when I'm gone that they can hold on to, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a tough question. That's a good question. It's very, like, it, 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 you have to, like, really reflect, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad I, I got you to kind of think about it a little bit, but I... I just want to say thank you so much for like joining us and, and sitting down and sharing your journey with us. Do you have anything upcoming that you would like to announce for everybody to kind of keep an eye out for? Yeah, so we have some shows coming up uh, in uh, South Padre Island over at Longboards. We're going to be there uh, a, a few times. They asked us to play. Uh, I think we got shows in September, October, November. Uh we have some stuff coming up in far Texas, uh, for their, uh, Christmas Posada. That's, I believe, December 9th, uh, December 16th, we're going to be in Harlingen. And then we have, I can't, I don't know if I can announce it yet, but we have a bigger show that we're doing, uh, in, uh, down here in the Valley and, uh, people can just stay tuned and, uh, and, and watch out. Cause we're going to, we're, we're a part of a, a show that I'm proud that they they called and and asked us to be a part of, uh, so that'll be in November, so people can just kind of stay tuned and uh, they can check out the website, jericolmusic.com. Uh, there's merch and it has kind of little story backstory about myself, uh, uh, stuff about the band and whatnot, or, or what we have going on, and all my social media is at jericolmusic and uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon. They can all check it out, Jericho. I appreciate you having me on though. No, definitely. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I I hope that everybody got a little something out of our conversation and I'll have all the links down below on this episode so that you guys can connect with him. But thank you guys again for tuning in. Awesome. Hola, Hepita. Thank you so much for tuning in to our HEPA Talk podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you follow us on Instagram at HEPATalk. Make sure you leave us a review and that you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on YouTube. Thank you again. Hasta luego.